This coverage is live and uncensored. So if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio episode 121 for Thursday, December 22nd, 2011. The intro music you just heard was some random Christmas music that I found that I cut up. Sorry, can't get any more detailed than that. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. If you want to leave any feedback, you can call our feedback line, 347-815-0687. Again, the feedback line is 347-815-0MTR, or 0687 for those with out letters on their keypads. All right. Now, this will probably be, I'm almost 85% sure, the last MTR of 2011, so... There's a couple of things that are going to be a little different this week and a couple of things I want to discuss with regards to the future of the show, MTR as a brand, and what we plan on doing in 2012. There are certain things that are going to be changed, some things are going to be done away with, and there's also going to be a new project that's going to be in conjunction with MTR, slightly different, and it's going to pretty much alter how we're going to start doing things going forward. With that said, let's get into the housekeeping first. As many of you know, and I'm sure you guys have already figured it out, we have no more MTR forums. We did away with them in November. I know some of you, I somebody reached out to me on Twitter and asked me if I had gotten rid of the forums, and I said yes. So for those of you that, have, that haven't been caught up to speed, the forums are no longer active. If you do want to interact with other listeners, you can use the MTR Facebook page, or you can use just our Twitter account to M- to interact with various members of the MTR staff. I think that this doing it this way just keeps things cleaner and neater. I'm sure at some point I will probably bring back the forums in a in a less involved manner. I think that at this point the MTR forums were becoming a project in and of itself and it just required too much handholding and trying to come up with topics and conversation Just way too much going on versus on the fan page, everybody's active on Facebook, which I've noticed the fan page has been a little quiet as of late. Um, I'm attributing that to the holiday season, but who knows? We are about 400 fans shy of our goal of 2000. I really would have liked to have hit 2000 to close out 2011. Who knows? But I, you know, I'd like to see 2000 people before we close things out. We'll see what happens. I mean, 
if we do great, if we don't, it's just a number. I'm not sweating it. It's just a, a personal achievement I wanted, my own little achievement for my own personal life gamer score. But hey, it's all good, whatever. Couple of things with regards to the shows. Obviously, for those of you that are getting the shows on Stitcher and also on the MTR app, starting in January, we're going to separate things a little bit with regards to releases of new content. Um, there may be a, a delay in releasing the show between the app and iTunes only because releasing them the same day, it just feels like, like listeners aren't getting or app or app users i should say aren't getting as much exclusivity as they would like i've heard this from a couple of people so there may be maybe a day or two delay between apps getting the update and itunes listeners getting the update because like i said it's there, there's no there's no middle ground so we're going to start organizing that and kind of staggering the releases of the new shows which leads me to another thing which we are going to start testing out in January. Many of you have told me that they have to listen to the show over the course of a few days, primarily because either you listen to it on the drive or it's, you know, three hours is a long time for a show. So we're going to try testing out possibly recording shows broken up into segments. So let's say MTR episode 125 will be MTR episode 125, MMA, wrestling, video games, and movies. They'll each be separate, broken up under the same episode number, but broken up into, I guess you could say, mini-episodes. That way, each person can listen to what they want. And it's going to be something that we're going to try out. There may be one or two weeks where I won't do a live episode, so to speak, and I will do uh, smaller episodes. Again, this is just a test of doing it smaller and more condensed will it cause a, a um, an increase in workflow who knows it might be easier to just do each maybe in half hour blocks that way you got you know half an hour of each and it's easier for people to digest again this is all tentative and just some of the things i want to start testing out going into the new year the other thing i was going to talk to you guys about and mention to you guys is Something's going to be happening very soon with What The Fuck Movie News. I'm just going to leave it at that. Just know that What The Fuck Movie News is going to be a lot bigger than just a section of MTR. And with that, that's going to be the little teaser. So be on the lookout for something developing with What The Fuck Movie News. And also be on the lookout for something that's going to be huge with regards to the overall growth of MTR. I'm going to start building those blocks in January, and I'll start giving you guys more information as that moves along. Stitcher subscribers, those of you that are using Stitcher, thanks a lot. We have, I believe, over 22,000 minutes of show have been consumed, and it's it's great. I'm, I'm glad that so many people have embraced Stitcher. If you haven't and you're looking for just another way to listen to the show, you can head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take, enter my take in the promo code, and you will be entered to win a $100 gift card. Stitcher is just another way for you to listen to the show. No need to sync to iTunes or drag and drop MP3s. The shows will stream directly to your mobile device, whether it's iPhone, Android, WebOS, or BlackBerry devices, streaming straight over your 3G, 4G, or even Wi-Fi connections. That way you'll just be able to have MTR on the go 
and it's quick and painless. It's one of the easiest ways to get MTR besides, obviously, syncing it with iTunes or using the app. Just another way for you to consume our content. We will be doing probably one or two MTR Beyond or Behind the Mics interviews within the next three weeks, I want to say. There's a couple of things we got on deck for that. We're also working on something possibly with Combat Zone Wrestling, and I'll have something for you guys with regards to that probably second week of January. I'll be able to give you guys some more information. Combat Zone Wrestling reached out to us, and they want to try and work with MTR regarding events and ticket giveaways, so hopefully second week of January I'll be able to give you guys more information with regards to that. Content has been a little quiet this week, only because, obviously, with the holidays, there's a lot going on. But rest assured, myself, Slick, and the rest of the MTR staff are working on giving you guys um, a little bit of content to close out the year. Um, Right now, the MTR reviews have been a little more frequent, only because we launched the Gamefly Q and Netflix Q reviews, which are just smaller, less in-depth reviews that are quick and painless like i've said before you're going to see some new stuff you're going to see some old stuff and it's going to be primarily just stuff that we're getting from uh netflix and gamefly stuff like that nothing too serious so if you're going in there expecting um you know 10,000 words on your screen with a breakdown of graphics and you're obviously at the wrong fucking site because that's not what we're doing the fact is The Gamefly and Netflix Q reviews are broken down very easily. What's right with the game, what's wrong with the game, and what the fuck with the game. Simple as that. The WTF moment, the the right moment, and the wrong moment. That's it. If you can't sum up a game that easily, then something is amiss. I sincerely doubt nobody gives a shit about frame rates or gives a fuck about how many characters you can play as. People care about will they enjoy the game, what are some things they won't like about the game, and what are some things that will definitely make them do a double take. And that's how we want to do it going forward, especially with that particular segment of the site. And expect more of that. I know Slick has done one with uh, Dead Island that he was playing, and you can probably expect that right after the show is over. I did one for Wanted, also did one for G.I. Joe the Game working on one for Knight's Contract, so you guys can expect that within the next week or so. That's pretty much it. You guys know the deal with Get Glue. I'm not going to hammer it into the ground. Make sure to check in. Hopefully at some point, Get Glue will get their thumb out of their ass and decide to launch our stickers. When they do, you guys will obviously be rewarded. Make sure if you are interested in picking up some MTR shirts, they are available in the t-shirt store. Just go to MyTakeRadio.com, click the tab, and you can see that we got some shirts and some hoodies available. And also, if you want to help out MyTakeRadio and you want to do get some shopping done, whether it's for the holidays or for Kwanzaa or for whatever the fuck you celebrate, whatever weird festivist for the rest of us holiday you celebrate, head over to our Amazon affiliate store. Every purchase done through the Amazon affiliate store helps us out. We are not involved in anything. You get the same reliable service from Amazon you've come to expect. You're just helping out MTR in the process. Head over to the MTR Amazon store. We got all the games, movies, gadgets, and gear that we talk about on air, on the site. And if anything is missing, by all means, let us know. We'll add it so that you guys can 
get it at the same low prices that Amazon offers. And last but not least, like I said, it helps us out as well. Before we wrap up the housekeeping, I will let you know MTR will be moving into MTR 4.0 at some point in January. There's going to be a full site overhaul complete from the ground up. We're going to start changing from categories. We're going to start expanding coverage. We're going to talk more about apps. We're going to borrow some ideas from some sites that have influenced us. And we're going to really make it more than just the four core topics and some ancillary stuff. We're going to add a bunch of other stuff because it's not just movies and video games and wrestling and comics and gadgets. There's there's so many other things out there that that I enjoy that I'm a, that I really would like to share with you guys that I'm going to start just carving out little niches for that stuff and you'll be seeing that in the 4.0 launch once I finish building it, which hopefully will happen before January closes out. All right, with the housekeeping out of the way, here's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We got Strike Force, we got the TLC pay-per-view, we got Raw, we got some gaming news, which are a little light, obviously, leading into the holidays. We got your movie news, we got some serious what-the-fuck movie news in there. And hopefully, like I said, this may or may not be the last show of 2011. So if it is, you know, I'll make sure to address it as such at the end of tonight's broadcast. So... Let me not beat this dead horse anymore and get into some MMA because Strikeforce put on a very exciting card that definitely needs to be discussed. Hopefully, if it all goes according to plan, this new music will be able to kick in. It'll be the last time I use this particular UFC intro because I couldn't edit any audio. So while the Ultimate Fighter is over, the music lives on. Okay, Strike Force. We're going to open up with this first, quick and painless. Just want to go through, like usual, pluck a couple of fights out. I wanted to talk about the light heavyweight fight first with Gegard Mousasi and Ovin St. Prue or OSP. Um, OSP came in with a, with a great record to take on the dream catcher Gegard Mousasi. Mousasi is a is a guy who people have talked about is very lax with his training. They feel that a lot of people a lot of people have told me that he seems to get over on natural ability and also his, you know, his great Muay Thai stand up kind of covers his other weaknesses, which some people will agree or disagree. I'm kind of in in the middle. Sometimes he performs really well, sometimes he doesn't. He's such a hard to follow fighter in terms of just emotion and how he reacts that you can't really tell if he's even interested in what he's doing. A lot of times he has that blank Fedor-esque type vibe about him that really doesn't show any of the of the fans if he's fully involved in the fights that he's doing. But he looked really impressive in his fight against OSP. It was uh, phenomenal rounds for him, first and second especially. Each time it ended, it was Musasi either in a dominant position or escaping um, an OSP takedown, which happened um, in the first round. They closed out with Musasi. He had a crucifix. And in the second round, OSP actually went for a shoot, and Musasi escaped that. In the third round, OSP came alive, and he almost caught Musasi with a Darce choke, 
Unfortunately, it was not OSP's lucky day. Gegard Mousasi took the fight via unanimous decision. Women's featherweight, 145-pound division. Chris, Chris Cyborg Santos taking on Hiroko Yamanaka was as violent and, and vicious as you would expect. Cyborg came out and pretty much just murder-death killed uh, Hiroko Yamanaka, and it was a wrap. It was, I'd like to say, 16 seconds in the first round. It was, it was insane. It was insane. It, the, the question this raises now is, who's left for Cyborg to fight at 145? Of course, everybody wants to see Ronda Rousey fight her. While it is a great fight, and it's a fight that I'm sure will, will get a lot of interest, let's say the Rousey fight happens. What next? Is Gina Carano coming back for a rematch? Who knows? There are rumors then that she may drop down to 135 and start fighting at 135 and be a champ in both divisions. If she does do that, uh, fighters like Misha Tate definitely need to look out only because Cyborg is dominating the women's MMA divisions. Dominating. They're, they're bringing fighters from other countries and she's just destroying them. So it's going to be an interesting 2012 for women's MMA, especially now that Strikeforce is staying on Showtime. Hopefully, Zufa can find some female fighters that can prove to be competitive against Cyborg. It's it's going to be a very, very interesting year for her. And even for Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate, only because it seems that the fate of these three women are intertwined and they're bound to meet at one stage or another. Lastly, to close things out, I wanted to talk about Gilbert Melendez and Jorge Masvidal. A lot of people were really taken aback by the fact that Melendez didn't use his wrestling in this fight. He used a lot of really great striking. Masvidal definitely was aggressive, but Melendez showed incredible counterpunching uh, counter counter technique against Masvidal. He looked really, really crisp in the fight. He ended up taking it via unanim unanimous decision all five rounds. Um, 50 to 45, and then uh, in two rounds and 49-46 um, in the remaining. As far as I see it, Gilbert Melendez is the the flag bearer for 155. He actually challenged some UFC lightweights to come over. He challenged the UFC lightweight champion to come over. I think that if you're going to keep Strikeforce as a separate entity, what you should probably build at is doing super fights with the champions, possibly for. Uh, something like Super Bowl weekend, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily eliminate the divisions. I mean, Strikeforce eliminated the heavyweights, which is fine. But something like Gilbert Melendez and let's say Frankie Edgar or Ben Henderson, whichever's the victor, should meet at something for like Super Bowl weekend, something huge. That way, you can do a big super fight. You can get people interested in Strikeforce, and you can give your champions new challenges. I think that. By building both promotions with really great fighters and then building super fights for certain moments of the year, you can build an entire card on super fights, excluding heavyweights, obviously, with a you know a 55 super fight, um, a 185, a 170, and a 205, and you you could do serious serious money for both Strikeforce and for the UFC. So hopefully we'll start seeing things like that going forward. I, I really would like to see the UFC lightweight champion take on the strike force champion because like I've always said you can walk around hearing that you're the best but until you've proven yourself against your equal you're just the best in your organization and it's as simple as that same thing with guys like Eddie Alvarez the, these are guys that they hear all the time you know they're the best they're pound for pound 
the best fighters, but until you test yourself against these other fighters and these other organizations, you're always going to have that 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 chip on your shoulder wondering if you really are the best as everybody tells you you are. I think Edgar and Melendez would be an amazing fight, amazing from start to finish. I think that the beauty of a fight like that is that both guys like to engage, they like to trade, they got great ground skills, they got great stand-up, and it's it's it has to happen, at least in a super fight capacity, and you know, you can give a, a check or something, obviously you don't have to give them the belt, but just to prove who is the best overall, they really should start looking at doing things like that, especially to build Strike Force as a credible organization on Showtime. In some other MMA news, we got a couple of fighters returning to the UFC. Uh, Gabriel Gonzaga is coming back to the organization. He will be returning at UFC 142 against Ednaldo Oliveira. He is replacing uh, Rob Broger, who was on the show. UFC 142 will be taking place January 14th in Rio de Janeiro at the HSBC Arena. Uh, Gonzaga and Oliveira are rumored to be fighting on the prelims, which will air on FX. Next week, of course, the final UFC event of 2011, the huge heavyweight contender fight between Overeem and Lesnar for UFC 141. They will have fights that will be streaming on Facebook for free. All you got to do is head over to the UFC page, hit the like button, and you'll be able to watch the prelims. On that card, for the Facebook prelims, you got Dongyun Kim, Sean Pearson, Efrain Escudero returning to the UFC to take on Jacob Christmas Volkman. How fitting. Luis Ramos and Matt Riddle. Manny Gambirian is going to be taking on Diego Nunes. Spike TV with the last prelims of 2011. Danny Castillo, Anthony Njokwani, Ross Pearson, and Junior Asuncao will be taking, will be exchanging leather for Spike TV in the last Spike TV UFC prelim card of the year. The main card, pay-per-view, Jim Hetz versus Nam Fan. Alexander Gustafson is going to be taking on the janitor, Vladimir Matyshenko. John Fitch is going to meet Johnny Hendricks. Donald Cerrone and Nate Diaz is your co-main event. And obviously the big one, Brock Lesnar and Alistair Overeem. Now, there was a lot of speculation going on with Overeem and the drug testing and, you know, whether he was testing positive or not. And some people were saying that he went to Holland to get a blood transfusion, you know, uh, tons of conspiracy theories. At the end of the day, Overeem has made... A clear test case already. He's already taken blood work. It was clean. He's uh, all the all the things that have been thrown in front of him. He's been coming out clean for. But with his conditional license, there will be some more testing, which I'll discuss later on in the segment. But I will tell you this: as of right now, UFC 141, Overeem Lesnar, 100% a go. In some Japanese MMA news, one show that I recommend you guys check out if you have HDNet is the Dream Promotion. They always do a show for New Year's. Uh, this one's going to be taking place December 31st at the Saitama Super Arena in Saitama, Japan. Great night of fights. There are a couple of circus fights in there, but um, a solid card overall is always from Dream. The main event, Fedor Emelianenko is going to be taking on Satoshi Ishii. Ryo Chonan is going to be taking on Mak Sakurai. Shinya Aoki is putting his lightweight belt on the line against Satoru Kituoka. You got uh, Yushihiro Nagashima. He's going to be taking on Kikuno. Um, Hiroyuki Takaya. He's going to be taking on uh, Takeshi Inoue. That's for the featherweight title. Kawajiri's on that card. Viviano Fernandez is on that card. Antonio Benuelos is on that card. Those are bantamweight semifinal and uh, bantamweight Grand Prix semifinal matches. 
We got some women's MMA. Carla Benita, she's going to be taking on Mega Megu, Megumi Fuji. Um, Fujita is taking on Peter Ertz in a wrestling match. I have no idea how that's going to work. Um, Atushi Sawada and Suzukawa are going to be taking on Sakuraba and Shibata also in a wrestling match. Josh Barnett will be wrestling on that card. And then you have two kickboxing matches. Yuta Kubo is going to be taking on Wa- Niles Woodland And Kengo Tsunoda is going to be taking on Masaki Nori. And those are kickboxing matches. So that's going to be December 31st for Dream. You got MMA, pro wrestling, and kickboxing all on the same card. It's going to be a crazy, crazy night. As I was saying before with Alistair Overeem, and my notes are a little off. I should have talked about this in the same instance that I went over the card. The Nevada State Athletic Commission have given Overeem, like I said, clearance. And he is getting a conditional license, in which point he will need to take certain tests. Number one, um, he's going to be taking a test um, before the fight, which is the test he took that he passed. Then he's going to be taking two random tests within six six months of UFC 141. He's also going to undergo um, another pre-fight test, probably for fight night performance enhancers. So it, it's a really tough time for Overeem, poked and prodded. I'm sure the guy just wants to get in there and fight. I, I definitely have to give him credit, though. He's taking it in stride, really looking to cement himself here in America. If you've never seen Alistair Overeem fight, do yourselves a favor. Check YouTube. See some of his great uh, kickboxing matches and also some of his fights in Strike Force. I mean, his fight, um, his well, the Verdum fight, definitely not. But his fight against Brett Rogers was ridiculous. You actually got to see how well he can hang with some of the heavyweights in strike force and now against Brock Lesnar is definitely going to be a tough test. So UFC 141 next Friday, it's going down. It's going to be crazy. In some other MMA news, some strike force fighters are slowly making their way into the UFC now that they folded up the strike force heavyweight division. One of them debuting is going to be LeVar Johnson. He's going to be taking on uh, UFC heavyweight Joey Beltran, and that's going to be on UFC on Fox two. So be on the lookout for that. That's going to be happening January 28th at Chicago's United Center. And it's rumored that that fight will be on the prelim card. Last but not least, the last bit of UFC news to close things out. Fabricio Verdum is making his UFC return to take on Roy Big Country Nelson at UFC 143. That's going to be taking place February 4th. The main event for that, Carlos Condit, Nick Diaz. Josh Koscheck is on the card taking on Mike Pierce. Uh, Scott Jorgensen will be fighting on that card as well. Great night of fights for the UFC. Nice way to start 2012 with a bang. It's going to be great to see the Strike Force heavyweights in the UFC cage. You got guys like Antonio Bigfoot Silva, Verdum, uh, Chad Griggs, LeVar Johnson. Maybe they'll bring in Valentine Overeem. Who knows? We'll see how that goes. But there's definitely a couple of fighters. Daniel Cormier, of course, Josh Barnett. These guys, these heavyweights from Strike Force, they're definitely going to come into the UFC hungry to uh, get themselves ready to rock and roll. I'm going to take a break. When we get back, we are going to talk some wrestling. This will probably be the only commercial I'm going to play tonight since there's not that much going on. But I figured um, we'll close out with this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> Well, you won't listen to that on our show, because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. 
we're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. be fitting to use the CM Punk music to discuss this week's wrestling news. I want to get right into it with WWE's TLC event, which was surprisingly one of the better WWE pay-per-views in recent memory. A lot of great standout matches from a lot of young talent. We'll start things off with Ziggler and Ryder for the US title match. The crowd was electric for this match. Everybody was behind Ryder. This just goes to show that a guy with great talent that promotes himself and knows how to market himself correctly can succeed without the blessings of the WWE machine. Regardless of whether you like Zack Ryder or you hate him, this guy has built his gimmick on his own. There's no WWE machine behind him until now. Everything he's done on YouTube, he's done without really the front office giving two shits about, and he's generated interest for himself. So... Super pumped for this match. I was really impressed with both guys. Ziggler, as usual, delivers this kid. He's got the tools. He's going to be uh, a main eventer in no time. And Ryder knows how to connect with the crowd on a level that a lot of guys really just can't do. And I was really impressed to see Ryder finally get the belt in a very, very good match. Zack Ryder's dad was there going crazy, which added a little bit of uh, incentive for people that watch the videos to just mark out and get really excited. So it was really a great match to see. In the WWE tag team side of things, Air Boom met uh, Arroz and Gandules. I mean, Primo and Epico. Uh, you know, the, the, the worst part of this match for me isn't so much the fact that these guys had a match on pay-per-view. It's just that Primo and Epico, they put them together, they're related, they know what they got to do with these guys, but there's no backstory, there's really nothing. They're just like, oh yeah, they're cousins. Okay, then what's their story? What are they trying to prove? When are they going to talk on a microphone? What the fuck does Rosa Mendez have to do with anything? Seriously, these are the things that you you leave these little details out, which sometimes for all the work that WWE does for, for guys like Zack Ryder and trying to get that little things like this fall through the cracks. Seriously, you get fucking Chicharron and Pelnil out there to take on Air Boom and you ask yourself, yo, who the fuck are these guys? And it's great and all. It's like, all right, we know Primo and everybody knows Primo, but 
why won't why don't you take a moment and just introduce these guys? Hey, these are they're related to Carlos Colon. How did they how do they know Rosa Mendez? Oh, well, they picked her outside of a bodega and they figured, oh, you know, you look like a cool chick. Why don't you escort us to the ring? Something, anything, anything. It's just like, yeah, we're going to put Rosa Mendez with them because she's Hispanic. She's Hispanic looking and her last name is Mendez. So it all comes together. Once again, WWE racial overcoats in full effect. She comes out. She does her little spicy, fiery Latina gyrating move and everybody gets all pumped. But guess what? Rosa Mendez isn't the one fucking wrestling. It's fucking arroz and fucking pasteles in there trying to get it down. Wow, I'm running out of Spanish stereotypes for these guys. Primo and Epico. Are, are you know those are the guys that are getting in there and wrestling for your entertainment and the fact that you don't know shit about them doesn't make the audience give a fuck about them why would they that's the worst part the worst part is if the audience has no idea who the fuck they are how are they going to know to cheer you or or boo you and it's funny um mist of course one of our one of our writers and contributors reminded me that uh rosa mendez is uh Melina Ruka, Ruka, I forgot her name was Melina Ruka, or Melina Ruka, however the fuck you pronounce it, so I don't even know if she's 100% beaner or not, which is a whole other story in and of itself, but it's like, she, she's the chick that you see on the cover of Import Tuner, I, I, I barely see her wrestle, allegedly she has a, a great martial arts background, you could have fucking fooled me, it's like, yo, she comes out dressed like one of the chicks from the Fanta commercials, with these two fucking guys, and you don't know shit else about them. It's 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 sad. It, they they really need to take some time and build some of these fucking guys up because had I not known about them just from reading on the internet or anything, I'd be like, oh, who the fuck are these two brown motherfuckers in here? But it was a solid match. Definitely a a good bit of high flying in there. Unfortunately, it it wasn't there wasn't any build up for it, so the crowd was a little dead, especially coming in from the Ryder and Ziggler match. The Orton-Wade-Barrett's tables, tables match with the Barrett Barrage was actually pretty good. There was a couple of moments where I really was impressed with Barrett and saw that Barrett has the tools to hang in the main event. Of course, they gave the victory to Orton, which bothered me a bit only because if you're really pushing Barrett into the main event scene, you should have given the victory to Barrett. Orton winning isn't doing anything more for Orton because he's already over with the crowd. If you want to do something, work on Wade Barrett. This is the guy that you want to definitely help grow up. This is the guy you want to help grow in your heavyweight division. He has the tools. He has the look. He has good mic presence. But it's ridiculous. It is really ridiculous that they don't take the time to give this guy the you know the quote-unquote rub, to use an insider wrestling term. Orton doesn't need it. His gimmick is solid. Win or lose, people are going to cheer him. In the Divas title match, Beth Phoenix and Kelly Kelly was exactly what you would expect. Just a dominating performance from Beth Phoenix. Kelly Kelly got her ass whooped. Everybody went home happy. And honestly, nobody at this point really gives a shit whether Dummy Dummy gets beat up Monday or Friday. Only because she's a pretty face and her wrestling still hasn't evolved. You basically got... Three women that can wrestle, and that's, <clears throat> excuse me, Karma, uh, Natalia, and Beth Phoenix. And you can't really do matches with the three of them for fucking one year. So these chicks need to step their game up, because it's really getting out of hand. 
the sledgehammer on the sledgehammer ladder match or the walker on a pole match, however you wanted to look at it, with Triple H and Kevin Nash wasn't a complete car wreck. Kevin Nash took a sick bump. I'm surprised he fucking is still alive. I'm surprised he didn't break his hip in the fall. But it was a decent brawl from two guys that work well together. And that's the funny part. Everybody's like, oh, you know, these guys are going to come out and they're going to do some crazy shit. No, the fuck they're not. Crazy shit and Kevin Nash in the same sentence? Hell no. <clears throat> Ugh, need some water. Excuse me one second. I apologize. Fucking dying, Jesus. Sheamus and Jack Swagger thrown together. Special bonus match. It was, you know, throwaway match. Uh, Sheamus comes out, hits him with the fucking brogue kick, knocks the lisp out of him, moving on. Chairs match, Mark Henry and the Big Show. Typical big man exchange. The biggest payoff for this match was the end with Big Show winning, Mark Henry getting revenge, Daniel fucking Bryan cashing in the Money in the Bank briefcase and winning the fucking belt. I will tell you 100% in all honesty, I marked out like I was fucking 12 years old. Huge fan of Daniel Bryan. Followed him through Ring of Honor, saw his work in Japan. The guy's got the tools to definitely carry this organization. He is a great role model for the kids. It, it, let, let's be honest. Uh, call him a geek. Call him what you want. Straight shooter. Marketable. And you can do a lot with him. And he really deserved it. I'm glad he got the belt. But the fact is, it's not a matter of him winning it. It's a matter of him keeping it. And that's what worries me. You gave him the belt. Everybody was happy. But will he keep it? is the question. In the IC side of things, Cody Rhodes, Booker T, this was basically, you know, the swan song for Booker T, quote, allegedly. And he did the right thing. He put Cody over. Cody looked really good in the match. Cody Rhodes, another guy, tremendous upside, young, talented, but that fucking lisp sucks. It sucks. That's what doesn't help him. He comes out, and and that's why he talks so slow and methodical, so people don't hear, people don't hear my lisp. So he has to talk slow, so people don't figure that shit out. Seriously. And for those of you that probably think I am shoving my face full of food, I am not. For some reason, my throat is getting incredibly dry. I don't understand why. Maybe I'm inhaling asbestos up here, and I'm dying slowly, so if I croak on the air, I apologize. I leave the show to slick if I do. All right. WWE title TLC match. CM Punk, Del Rio, The Miz. Fantastic match from start to finish. Ricardo Rodriguez ate a bump like a fucking champion. I got to reference my homegirl, Mist, who said that Ricardo Rodriguez is a, is a diamond in the rough and should definitely get more screen time. That guy took the bump of a fucking champion off the high-ass ladder through a table. How the fuck he, he survived that and, and came out looking solid with that bump is beyond me. Because, uh, you know, he is a professional wrestler and he knows how to take a bump. But you just don't expect it because he's Del Rio's lackey. CM Punk retained the title. Looked really great in the match. I'm glad they didn't give it to fucking Ricardo Montalban. Get Give him the fucking boot. And The Miz doesn't need the belt to be over. Keep it on Punk. Build it with him. 
you know, this is going to lead right into Monday, which is what I'm going to just segue right into. Monday's opening on Raw was probably one of the best openings I've seen in a while. With CM Punk, Ryder, and Daniel Bryan coming out, CM Punk cutting an awesome promo, referencing his indie days with Bryan. It is, it really truly was a sight to behold. Zack Ryder getting acknowledged for all the hard work he's done. Phenomenal opening for Raw. I was very impressed. We got another Randy Orton-Wade Barrett rematch. And um, Orton once again with the fucking victory. I mean, it was with DQ, which kept which kept Barrett strong. But that was the victory you needed last night. Once again, going backwards. You needed that victory last night. Then we get the little video vignette, which supposedly is for Chris Jericho. Who knows? A lot of people are trying to cut the video apart and they showed little things like the notebook says Chris on the front and you can see Chris Jericho's silhouette in one of the shadows of one of the videos who the fuck knows I just want to be entertained it could be Chris Jericho it could be fucking Gilberg I don't give a shit just debut it when it happens and I'll act surprised Alicia Fox and Beth Phoenix was exactly the train wreck you would think it was uh Beth Phoenix ended up getting uh a uh, little stiff shot from Alicia Fox, and Alicia Fox used her new reverse DDT as her finisher. It, it was passable. I give Alicia Fox credit for slowly stepping her game up, but she's got to be careful working that stiff. It was, uh, I don't know, it just didn't look good, and she caught Beth Phoenix really roughly. It was it was ridiculous. Sheamus and Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal is continuously being shoved down people's throats. Once again, racial overcoats in full effect. Why do you have to take the, the only Indian guy that you have and make him an uppity, snobbish, you know, son of a sultan, kids, you know, oil baron, I'm going to come out and talk, you know, Durka Durka shit? Come on, man. Can we step the fuck out of that shit? I've said it before with the racial overcoats. I'll say it again. Can we do something else? Why, why don't you just put him in a fucking turban, have him come out with a flying carpet and finish the gimmick like that? Seriously, every fucking week, he comes out, he cuts his little fucking promo, dirk, 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 nick, 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 and everybody's like, all right, all right, we get it, you're the foreign heel. It, it, is that really the best and most creative thing you could come up with for a guy who's not exactly small, he's in decent shape? Do something with him, instead of just coming out and giving him the typical, you know, I'm gonna be the Middle Eastern villain. It's tired, it's hacky, and not only that, it really doesn't help move that character forward. If you want to do something with him, at least do something that, that has some fucking substance to it. Cena comes out, cuts a fucking promo. Kane comes out with his crazy Wes Craven New Nightmare Freddy Krueger mask on, or whatever the fuck it is, Boiler Room mask. Actually, I can more compare it to a welder mask, like in Hostel. So... He comes out with that mask, and it's like, oh, I'm going to take off my mask, and what do I have underneath? Oh, another mask! And then I'm going to smother John Cena, and he's going to bleed a little bit, and everybody will be sad. If you watch the tape, you'll see a girl in the front row, and as Kane is about to just choke the life out of John Cena, she's like, no! No, Kane! No! Don't do it, John! And she's screaming for John Cena. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, kid? You're like 40. What the fuck are you doing? Next match of the night... We had uh, Little Rikishis taking on the fucking Goya Brothers once again. No storyline, no nothing. I mean, the Usos come out, they do the Sibata, which is badass. 
and it's always cool to see them do it. But it takes every week they have to explain the Siba Tao is the Polynesian dance done to intimidate opponents. Every week they have to explain it because they really feel that people are that dumb. And the sad part is, they are. As for the Goya brothers, they did pretty good. They got a, a solid victory off the Usos. You know, Rosa Mendez comes out, does her typical fucking Chiquita banana shit, and that was it. We had Cody Rhodes and Santino. I'm not even going to bother telling you how that match ended because if you're smart, you'll know how it went. Last match of the night, though, fantastic six-man tag match. Miz, Ziggles, and Del Rio against Ryder, Bryan, and CM Punk. Fantastic. Great way to end with the champion celebrating. Great o- Grand opening? Grand closing. That's what Monday Night Raw was. I was very happy with it. I enjoyed it. There were certain aspects that were complete shit, but... They were overshadowed by the great opening and the great ending for the broadcast. So that's going to wrap that up. Let's get into some regular wrestling news. First off, the PW Insider is reporting that Kevin Nash is saying that his match with Triple H was his last match as an active in-ring member of the WWE roster. So let me get this straight. You pay Kevin Nash a fuckload of money. He comes out, catches people with his bullshit-ass powerbomb, Hits Triple H with a sledgehammer a couple of times, does this fucking ladder match, and all of a sudden, that's it? He's done? What the fuck are you going to do with him? Are you going to put him in one of your WWE television, WWE network reality shows? Is he going to become a color commentator? Do something with him. Shit. It's also being reported, and I've actually seen proof of this online, that WWE has started selling Cena Sucks t-shirts at house shows, capitalizing on people's hate for John Cena. The worst part of this is people are like, oh, John, you know, are you offended? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, no, I'm not offended. Of course he's not going to be offended because he's getting fucking paid. Most of these new superstars get a cut of the money that they're being, that that's from their merchandise. Wow, I fucked that up completely. They're, these guys sign new types of agreements that allow them to get a cut of their merchandise. So obviously, if 20,000 people buy a Cena Sucks t-shirt, you 20,000 dummies are putting money in Cena's pocket. Just so you know. WWE is tooting its horn as being the recipients of not one, not two, not three, but five Mashable Awards, including Digital Company of the Year. They got most fo- Must Follow Brand, must follow athlete was John Cena. Must follow actor actress was Dwayne Johnson. But get this, game of the year was WWE 12. What the fuck are they smoking over there at Mashable? I understand that you know the you guys are trying to capitalize on pop culture, but game of the year WWE 12. I don't even think the amount of sales that game did could scratch the surface of a game like say Skyrim or Drake or Modern Warfare. Or Battlefield. Come on, man. Seriously? Who the fuck put that shit together? WWE 12 was game of the year? Please. Fuck out of here with that. WWE has confirmed that the 2012 Royal Rumble will be returning back to its 30-man format. It's going to go back to the classic 30-man format that everybody knows and loves. Since obviously the last Rumble that they did with all the extra superstars was the payday. So now we go back to the 30-man format and everybody's happy or they don't give a shit. Who know? Who knows at this point? In an update to WWE Hall of Famer Kamala's condition, 
Uh, his son has said that he will be undergoing another amputation. This one's going to be for the upper part of his leg. This is the same leg where he had already had his foot amputated due to diabetes. I'd like to take a moment and just wish Kamala a speedy recovery. Um, diabetes is fucked up, man, and it's crazy that he has to sit there, uh, a, a guy who was so active, and just watch his body parts get cut away from him piece by piece. It's insane. And to wrap up the wrestling news for this week, Shaquille O'Neal was on the Abe Kanan show and said that he is in talks for a match at WrestleMania. Shaq will be competing against the Big Show if he has his way, and silently crickets are chirping everywhere as I finish that sentence. Nobody gives a fuck about Shaq at WrestleMania, much less him wrestling against the Big Show. I'd rather watch Shaq run a train on Kobe Bryant's wife. I'm sure that'll be more entertaining than watching Shaq wrestle. Kobe, how does my ass taste? Alright, we're gonna wrap this up. Let's go into fucking video games. I'm not gonna beat around the bush dragging this wrestling out any further. Video game news, first off, let's talk about Skyrim and some incredible numbers on that title's part. The game has shipped 10 million copies. The company's in a position to make $650 million if all 10 million copies are sold. As of right now, the game has outsold all other PC games this year 3 to 1. It is the fastest selling game in the history of Steam as well. The funny part of this is that they're not mentioning at all what the console numbers are, but... Considering all the love this game is getting, I am sure that they will hit that $650 million goal and probably more. So congrats to uh, Sky, uh, Bethesda and the, the crew for Skyrim for putting out a kick-ass game. I haven't played it yet. It's not my cup of tea. I will at some point, like any other game, play it. But for those of you that are playing it and have said great things about it, you are part of the reason this game is successful. <clears throat> what the hell is going on with my voice today? I apologize for all the constant throat clearing. Um, those of you that have been on Facebook for tons and tons of years know that Zynga is a name synonymous with Farmville and Mafia Wars and annoying invites from all your fucking friends to join your mafia and send me some fucking carrots and my cows are dying, please feed them. You clearly know Zynga is a huge force when it comes to Facebook. But the funny thing is Zynga tried to go mainstream by offering their company public by making their company public on Nasdaq and it hasn't done very well. As of right now it was at a well as of the time that it closed it was at $10 a share or probably 950 a share that it was at closing. Just because you sell a ton of fucking Facebook credits and people play Farmville until their eyes bleed doesn't necessarily mean you have the moxie to sell a company public. If anything, you should have initially had your company offered with Facebook when it went pub when it goes public next year. You guys wanted to go out there, blow your load. Now people are buying your fucking stock for the equivalent of two bootlegs from Jamaica Avenue here in New York City. It's ridiculous. $10 a fucking share. In some news that I'm sure is going to trip out um, our favorite Pokemaster Slick, 
Japan is coming out with one of probably the weirdest crossover games I've ever heard of. According to a Japanese magazine ad that I actually got to see earlier this evening, Pokemon will be doing a crossover with Nobunaga's Ambition. It will be debuting in Japan for the DS. Note, the ad did not say 3DS, but DS. So, the best part is crazy crossover, not even on your newest handheld, but on your oldest. In some Gears of War 3 news, the third of its four bits of four bits of downloadable content are being released. Phoenix Rising will have five new map packs, four characters, and re-up, which is being classified as something similar to Prestige from Call of Duty. Once players hit level 100, they can re-up to get exclu- exclusive emblems and weapon skins, according to the press release put out by Epic Games. Re-up can only be done three times and will unlock three different weapon skins. Re-up Plasma, Re-up Omen, and Re-up Electric. This content will be available January 17th for 800 Microsoft points. As I said, it will be the third of four map packs from the Gears of War Pass. So be on the lookout for that in January. For all of our listeners that are playing Modern Warfare and consuming tons and tons of bullets every night... Robert Bowling has announced that the first DLC will be dropping January 24th, but there's a catch. The content will be exclusive to 360 Elite subscribers first. PS3 Elite subscribers will be getting it later, and as of right now, there is no timetable for when PC gamers will get it, since they still do not have their Elite program. Or, the worst part of it is they haven't even figured out a timetable for non-Elite members to have access. So, with that said, if you paid the money for Elite, you'll get to enjoy the DLC. If you didn't, you're fucked. Easy as that. Alright guys, that's going to close out the gaming news for this week. We are going to talk some movies, so let's get right into it. Boys and girls of every age, would you like to see something strange? Come with us and you will see. All right, let's talk movies. Obviously, you guys have seen on MyTakeRadio.com the Underworld Awakening trailer, which will be dropping in January. But here is a kicker for you guys. Underworld Awakening may be the start of a new series of films. According to directors Mars Marland and Bjorn Stein, who spoke to Shock Till You Drop, this fourth film may possibly be the start of a brand new trilogy. According to Stein, who went on record as saying, this movie is the beginning of something new. I'll say that our ending is totally leaving the door open for a future. So look forward to that when Underworld drops January 20th. In one of the first bits of news since the Marvel and Disney merger, Marvel will be releasing a four-issue Toy Story miniseries. The story is going to be taking place between the first two films, and it's going to focus on Andy's puppy, Buster. According to Axel Alonso, who is the editor-in-chief at Marvel, he went on to say, Everyone loves Toy Story, so we're excited to team with our friends at Disney Pixar to bring readers all new stories of our favorite characters from these blockbuster films. Toy Story allows us to bring great new material to the market that's not only perfect for kids, 
but also a great read for fans of all ages. What's next for Woody and Buzz in these stories? Can't wait for you guys to find out. I've just been informed that I have a call from Slick. I believe he wants to talk about Underworld, so let me bring him in. Slick, what's going on, brother? What's up, man? You are affording me the opportunity to drink some water since my mouth fucking feels like the Sahara Desert at the moment. So please, air your grievances. And Disney Marvel news makes you want to vomit. But whatever. But are you um, shocked? Are okay. you shocked, though? I'm not no. shocked at all. <laughs> I have nothing against Toy Story, but a comic book? Get the fuck out of here. I'm like, bring back Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Ham. I don't want to see a fucking Toy Story comic book. Hey, that would be something worth reading. What do you got? What do you got with Underworld? What is your What is your issue? I'm like, I look at that trailer and I'm not not saying not really trying to say anything bad about Underworld per se. I like the movie, but I'm like, look at that trailer and then look at the trailer for the last Resident Evil movie again, and it, it looks like you're just juxtapositioning. That is true. There are some similarities in the way that they pace the trailers. I will give you that. The freaking gigantic werewolf is just the big zombie. Which <laughs> makes me think that the werewolf will have about two minutes of screen time and die. Yeah, but... I will say something, and and for those of you that may think that this may or may not be a spoiler, I don't think it is. But I have a feeling that the big werewolf is Scott Speedman. Yes. Just a nagging suspicion because of certain certain pieces of dialogue I heard in the I heard in the trailer, and I'm like, huh? Because you know, there's this girl who I I'm assuming may be her daughter, and it's like, okay, where's 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 half breed? Where's the half breed guy? You know, because they, they he ended they ended the movie with her in fucking sunlight and and him grabbing her ass. So, you know, you kind of you kind of knew that they were gonna they were gonna knock boots and pop out a hybrid kid. So, are you guys just gonna forget any of that happened, or are you gonna give us a little bit of fucking story for that? I don't know. I just. What was that? You got the, uh, you're starting to get the merman, you're starting to get the merman voice. Uh, a little bit better. I think I think that the problem with a film like Underworld and this is something that it it's been guilty of in movies like Resident Evil and other movies and even Sucker Punch is a great example. You take a film, you take a, a powerful female, you put her in the lead, and after she kills, shoots, maims, and destroys everything, you guys run out of other things to do with that character. And it's a, and it's unfortunate because it's the same thing that's happened with the with the Tomb Raider franchise. 
It's like, once you get all the cool shit out of the way in the first movie or the second movie, you're out of story to tell. Which is unfortunate because some of these characters have such deeper stories that you can tell about them that, you know, you can you can write a, a movie or a story just on the basis of those smaller moments in that character's life. I'm so shocked to say that Capcom has never in any way used Alice in any of their games. I'm surprised only because they built that character up. She's part of the mythology. Uh, you know, you should be seeing her in Resident Evil 5 or, or something. You wasted all this time in building this this brand new character that's been invested in, what, four movies now? And you mean to tell me that every character that's a main character in your game is second banana to a supermodel that has psychic powers? Are you fucking kidding me? Change that to head, because remember now she's just human. Allegedly. Who the fuck knows? Because every time they do a movie, you know they change some shit up. Oh, first they're the clones, and then the clones have psychic powers. Then she's human, then she's not human. Wash, rinse, and repeat. I was so disgusted with the treatment of the clones in that movie. Well, they... they, they, what What was the point? They spent all the money on the 3D, dude, so they figured, fuck, we gotta kill off these fucking clones. <laughs> they do that, they did. In like five seconds. Yep, that was like, oh, the effects budget is done. <laughs> They're like, oh, the effects budget is done. Fuck it, pull the plug. Boom! And that was it. And you notice, in Underworld, next movie, there's an, un- there's an elevator shaft scene. Yep. And there's her throwing, there's her throwing uh, ninja stars at the screen in 3D. And doing the wall run. Yep. Jump over a giant monster. Yep. I'm like, really, guys? Why are you copying the movie? There you go. Well, while I have you... It was a guilty pleasure. It was dog shit, but I liked it because it was a guilty pleasure. Yeah, well, that, but that's how it is, dude. See, we all have them. We all have these guilty pleasure flicks. And that, as long as... And this is why sometimes when you and I talk about movies, I tell you, sometimes you, if you walk in expecting a movie to be shit, and it's shit, but it's enjoyable shit, you don't feel so bad. But if you go in there ex- expecting, you know, with high expectations, and the movie sucks, you're going to be saddened or possibly even angry. But this is going to blow your mind, and I, and I wanted you on air for this. Anchor Bay has purchased the rights to maximum conviction. By the title alone, you know that this is a Cinemax Friday night action movie special. But besides that, this particular film stars, wait for it, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Steven Seagal. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> here's here's what this movie's about. They're going to be playing two private security contractors decommissioning an old prison. And they will have to ward off attacks by mercenaries who are out to reach two female prisoners being sent there overnight. What? Yes. Yes. So they have to protect two chicks. From mercenaries. Obviously the horniest motherfuckers on earth because they need these girls because there's not like, you know, two and a half billion others in the world. Dude, I'm just dying to hear the Oscar caliber. Dude, this is Oscar worthy dialogue between Stone Cold and Steven Seagal. 
Steven Seagal is going to walk in. Jim Morris needs to have a cameo because somewhere in that movie, <laughs> there will be the need for him to go, Oh, my God. Dude, it's going to be, it's going to be, Stone Cold's going to walk in and Steven Seagal's going to be like, are you ready to do this? What? Are you ready to do this? Speak up, son. I can't hear you. Are you ready to do this? Speak up. Take the fucking kimono off. You know, like, what the fuck, man? Why, why would they even put the, Steven Seagal has about, has about the acting ability of a fucking mop bucket. Stone Cold Steve Austin, yeah, you know, he's good in all the roles he plays because they're built for him. All right, we did a big skinhead-looking motherfucker to play a henchman. Up, oh, Steve Austin. Up, oh, we need a soldier who's on the run. Up, oh, Stone Cold. They don't call him for the romantic comedies. They don't call him for any dramas. They don't call him for any Disney flicks. They call him for movies that require big white supremacist-looking motherfucker. <laughs> He is 100% typecast. It's like The Rock is in G.I. Joe. Stone Cold isn't. Why is this a problem? <laughs> Why? Stone Cold could play anybody in fucking G.I. Joe. He really could. Stone Cold could be fucking Cobra Commander. I was once a man. What? A man, I said. What? I was once a man, dummy. It's like yeah, but you know what it is. Stone Cold Steve Austin is in that really weird area where he just cannot escape being Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like he's stuck. Like you can't. It's like you're not gonna see Stone Cold Steve Austin alongside Jennifer Aniston in a fucking romantic comedy. You'll damn sure see The Rock there, but you sure as fuck ain't seeing Stone Cold doing that shit. Well, he's pretty much the left side and. Allegedly, but you know, I think, I think, I'm sure, I'm sure this is going to be a fantastic, fantastic action film that is just begging, begging to be watched. But Stone Cold is more than just action movie fodder. I mean, the guy has great presence. If you've seen him. Um, when he was on Nash Bridges, you can see that there was a tremendous upside to him as as a character actor. Sure, he can always play a cop or a skinhead or a soldier, but there was more to it. Stone Cold did a lot of funny shit when he was in the in the WWE. Hitting Vince McMahon with a fucking bedpan in the hospital is still one of the best <laughs> moments, you know. Bang 316, where, where fucking Vince McMahon pissed himself. Come on, the, the guy has good timing. It's just he was he was good in the longest yard. He was he was really good in that. But, but that's the thing. As I said a million times, Hollywood has no creativity or originality. Nobody's willing to take him out of his box and take a risk with him. Nope. On not the at all. Screen. Nope. It's on the e- little screen, they do that because, you know, they have a little bit of creativity still on TV. Yep. Well, before I get into the box office totals, what, and you may or may not know, but what do you think were the top three movies at the box office? Don't cheat either. Twilight? Nope. Really? This, this past weekend, the top three films at the box office. Just give me three. Sherlock Holmes got to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the hell came out? 
That's <laughs> how much I'm paying attention right now. I really haven't lost for what's happening. If Twilight's not there, then what do you call it? Um, Twilight Hugo there. Twilight Twilight is there, Hugo is there, but they're not where you think. Check this out. Number 10 was the Muppets. 9 was Arthur Christmas. 8 was Hugo. 7 was Young Adult. 6 was Twilight. 5 was The Sitter. New Year's Eve was 4, which why the fuck didn't you just release it the week of, I don't know, New Year's Eve. 3 was Mission Impossible. I forgot that it, it... Did that come out yesterday? No, that came out on Friday, that's why. Yeah, but check this out. It was three. Now, you would have thought that Sherlock Holmes at Mission Impossible would be one and two. Oh, no. Number two, my friend, was Alvin and the Chipmunks Chipwrecked. <laughs> Are kids officially on, on their winter breaks now? Uh, no. It's Friday. Tomorrow. Well, today, I should say. And number one was Sherlock Holmes. So let me get this straight. Tom Cruise hangs from a fucking bungee cord from one of the tallest buildings in Dubai in fucking IMAX. It, it's the it's the equivalent of my eye sockets jerking off on each other. And it's number three versus Chipmunks singing pop music from Z100. If I were Tom Cruise, I would fucking kill myself. I would really just look at the numbers and be like, excuse me one moment, and just fucking Greg Luganus off the highest fucking building I can. Well, see, that's what happens when you, like, go crazy on Oprah and they fucking make YouTube videos out of you, like, attaching her like you're the emperor. But but here's, here's the crazy part, dude. It's like the Chipmunks movies have made... Here's the best part. That franchise has made almost a billion dollars. Who who would have thought that CGI'd fucking rats singing shit from Z100 would be billions, billions of dollars, my friend? They've already got a freaking, a, like a damn central version of them. Oh yeah, of course they do. Well, and I'm sure that's selling quite well also. Yeah, it's doing all right. Because who doesn't want to freaking use their connect to fucking dance and sing with the chipmunks? Of course. But um, the last thing I, I needed you for was this bit of what the fuck movie news. And I wouldn't even classify this as what the fuck movie news. I would classify this as what the fuck is wrong in our world news. Oh. Check this out. The Czech Republic. It involves our friends in the Czech Republic. According to the Hollywood Reporter, a recent census done by the country indicates that 15,000 Czechs consider themselves Knights of the Jedi in terms of religion. The census report shows that most of them are in the country's capital of Prague. (laughs) The fact that you had to really ingest that mentally shows... That you are like, what the fuck did I just hear? There are 15,000 people in Czechs, in Czechoslovakia, that besides using food coupons to get soup and fucking cheese, 
are actually identifying themselves as Knights of the fucking Jedi. And I'm not even being racial in saying it. It's like when you think Czech Republic, you think, I need job. You think, <laughs> that's what you think of. You think of housekeepers and prostitutes shoved in fucking railroad cars and some guy named Yuri with chess hair and bad gold chains. Come on, man. Oh, my God. And they're fucking Jedis now. But it gets better. According to an office spokesman, they said the following. We included this option in the census form. Despite a fierce debate over whether it's serious or not. If I, if I ran this country, I would call this spokesman into my office and proceed to take a nine iron and swing it into his dick. Oh no, whoever made up that sentence for absolutely needs a public beating because what you're saying is it wasn't 15,000 people being assholes and writing in Nope. on the Jedi Knight. No. There was a choice on the fucking form <laughs> that said, you know, Catholic, Jewish, Orthodox, Muslim, Jedi Knight. I would have checked that shit too. I would have, dude, I would have left a square and said, draw your religion here. And I would have drawn, like, I would have drawn a stick figure dressed like fucking Cornholio. Dude, it's, it's absurd. It's absurd. But it gets better. Check this out. The Czech Republic aren't the only Jagoffs that love, that love to identify themselves as Jedis. In the 2001 census, 21,000 of our Canadian brethren acknowledged themselves as Jedis. In New Zealand, where I swear everybody's a fucking hobbit, 53,000 of them identified themselves as Jedis. Do you see a fucking problem here? I see a big problem. I see the need for God to start smiting people with force lightning. Here's, here's, the, here's the best part. What happened? Are we going to do a census in Africa and everybody in Africa is going to say that they're Sith? <laughs> Seriously, dude, come on. If everybody that's in the Czech Republic is is white, does that mean that if you're in Africa, you're a Sith? What if you're in the Middle East? Are you a, are you are you a fucking Jawa? What is your religion? Jawa. <laughs> We're not invading Iraq for the oil. We're invading Iraq to stop the population of Jawas. Seriously, these are not the weapons of mass destruction you are looking for, sir. <laughs> Serious? <laughs> come on, dude. <laughs> dude, come on. The fact that a government... <laughs> dude, a government office was willingly, willingly took it upon themselves to say, Oh, religious order, Jedi. The fuck? Why don't you just put Cult of Kali in there? Why don't you put fucking the guys from the Temple of Doom? Where's my Molaram cup? The Tuggy Guards. Oh my god, dude. It, it, I, I am dumbfounded that this is really happening in our world. This is 53,000 people in Hobbitville in New Zealand. 
I'm hoping, I pray to God next year they do a census and, and the same 53,000 acknowledge themselves as hobbits and dwarves. I, I hope, I hope to God they do that. Because I don't understand how you can... You know, at least one of them has to write in Gollum. Yeah, one of them has to write in Precious or Smeagol. Religious order, Smeagol. Dude, it's a, it, it, It's terrible. It's terrible. If in Europe they're the Jedis and in Africa they're the Jawas, and I mean, in Africa they're the Sith, that means in the Middle East they're the Jawas, and in fucking America we're just the fucking assholes from Alderaan that get blown up. How co- how convenient. <laughs> we're the ones that get blown up. Coincidence. Somewhere in a dark cave, somewhere in, in Japan... Admiral Agbar's hiding out in the draft. Dude, I, I swear, everybody in Japan are the fucking calamari. They are. It, it, it's, it's absurd. It, it, it boggles. That's why I said this isn't even what the fuck movie news at this point. It is what the fuck world news. I'm going to wake up today, and when I when I go to the bathroom... And finish sprinkling whatever driblets of urine I have on my robe. I'm going to walk into my congressional office, lay out the census form for the new year, and decide to add Jedi as a fucking religion. Does that mean that if you're from Kazakhstan or if you're from fucking Armenia, you're automatically Ewok? Oh my god. Come on, dude. Seriously. This and and let let me preface this by saying I'm not even saying this to be racial. I'm saying it because I am preying on the stupidity that the government in these countries is already putting out there. They're the guilty ones. So before anybody sends me messages or you know, Rich, you're saying real racial inflammatory stuff. No, I am acknowledging the stupidness of our world. If the apocalypse happens a year from today, I will fucking whip out my dick and sit there with it out and go, please, thank you, and just take it. Seriously. I would just sit there like a champion and, and await it. Because <laughs> it would shit like this would not happen. Obama buying Just Dance and Best Buy would not be news. And it is, mind you. But, um, I believe it. All right. Uh, Blade Anime, I'm sure you may check that out. Launches on G4, January 13th at 11. 12 weeks. Uh, there's going to be, uh, 12, 12 episodes, I believe. We all know the Blade story. Supposedly, he's going to be in Japan, the Philippines, Indonesia, Vietnam, and Cambodia chasing after Deacon Frost. That's how they get the whole anime thing. It's called Let's Take. American characters and drop them in Japan and automatically it's anime. Automatically. Because when you watch Iron Man, he moved to Japan. When you watch the Wolverine anime, he was chilling in Japan getting getting Japanese pussy. When you talk about the X-Men anime, they're fucking in Japan fighting mutants with six arms and tentacled monsters that try to rape Jubilee. Well, the, the X-Men one, it made sense why they went to Japan, but yeah. But but automatically the ending was just horrible. But dude, automatically it's an anime because they have to throw them in Japan. Automatically. Oh yeah, you know, we're just gonna it, it takes place in Japan. 
Because based on this description, um, Blade is going to go to Japan, the Philippines, Indonesia, Vietnam, and Cambodia. All places where you can get pork fried rice and chicken wings. Well, at least in the X-Men, they went to Japan because apparently like 20 years back, Xavier laid his game down on some Japanese chicken had a bastard child. Yeah, but would, would that in any shape, way, or form even be remotely relevant in the comic book? Nope. But they figured, eh, we'll just make the crippled guy a fucking fuckhead and knock up this chick and we'll go over there and save the world. Wash, rinse, and repeat. Well, since they could have done so much more with those series that they they just didn't bother. Well, like everything else on G four, blow your load, have it fly against the wall, and hope it forms something nice. Well, that's actually something I can't blame on G four, but I mean they they waste whole blocks of of nighttime exactly showing soldiers going after freaking landmines. I'm like, what the fuck is this? There you go. Well. Since, since you're here and there's not much left, you will stick around for the remainder. Uh, Vin Diesel confirmed that a sixth and seventh installment of the Fast and Furious franchise are on the way. He went on to say... Why wouldn't he? Of course. He went on to say, with the success of the last one and the inclusion of so many characters and the broadening of the scope, when we were sitting down to figure out what would fit in the real estate of number six, we didn't have enough space. We have to pay off the story. We have to service all these characters' relationships. When we started mapping it out, we went well beyond 110 pages. The studio said you can't fit all of that story in one movie. While on the set of Fast Five, Diesel was looking forward to the sixth film and said, There's more to this story. There's more with regards to sketching out a trilogy. What you may think is the last one is not. Production of Fast and Furious 6 is set to begin next year with Justin Lin coming back as a director. It's rumored that it'll be released May 24th, 2013, and that they may shoot the sequels back-to-back. They better, because Paul Walker ain't getting any younger, and his young boy-next-door looks are slowly leaving him. And freaking Vin Diesel talking about we need to tell it. That motherfucker said, I need to get paid. I'm yeah. not doing any more freaking Tinkerbell Kitty movies. Well, the worst part of it all was that he's talking about all these characters. It's like, motherfucker, you guys added all these characters. Like, I can understand you bringing back Ludacris because he was in, in the in the earlier ones. Tyrese because he was in the earlier ones. I can get that. I can understand bringing back Michelle Rodriguez, Jordana Brewster, Paul Walker. All of those make sense. But when you bring back the Asian guy who was supposed to die in Tokyo Drift, it's like, didn't he fucking die? How long are you going to prolong him moving to Tokyo? And what happens to the to the kid that was in Tokyo Drift? Do they not give a fuck about him? And I'm like, no, they really don't. I want to see a Fast and Furious where they're racing against time and lying away from the Cloverfield monster. On the planet from Pitch Black. <laughs> but dude, think about this. The way the story goes, it's supposed to be 1, 2, 4, 5, and 3. See what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> once, once again, 1, 2, 4, 5, and 3. It's like, it's, it's like fucking Street Fighter chronology. 
Those without the the same logic in the story. So it's like, just forget about the fucking story and watch the action. That's Street Fighter. Pretty much. Well, the last two bits of news to close this out is a rumor that Bill Murray got the new script for Ghostbusters 3. And this is this is a rumor, so consider it that. They, uh, Dan Aykroyd and Howard Ramis sent the script to Murray, who had been a holdout in getting the film greenlit. According to what reports, they're saying that Murray responded by putting the script through the shredder and sending it back. With a, with a note that said, no one wants to pay money to see fat old men chasing ghosts. If that's true, I want to shake his hand and kiss him on the cheek. Well, th- this Fuck is... A- I'm, I'm man enough. I'm, I'm comfortable with my sexuality. I'll kiss him on the fucking lips. Thank you, Bill Murray, for not fucking... Fucking up a childhood, you know, a great childhood movie. Well, here's the best part. He, Bill Murray's gone on record as saying that he'd be willing to do Ghostbusters if his character is killed off. Like, he wants to be a ghost. If he's saying killed off that he was already dead, that's one thing. But, like, if he's saying he actually dies in the movie, I mean, for Ghostbusters, that's kind of heavy. That is kind of heavy, but if he's already dead, you you know, you can have a lot of fun with him being a ghost, you know? Absolutely. Like him being a ghost buster, literally, like a ghost that still busts ghosts, would be very amusing. But if he really shredded that shit back and said, yo, what the fuck are you guys doing? That would be amu- that that would be hilarious to see. I would have died being a fly on the wall when Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis go, oh, we got the envelope back from Bill. Let's see what he thinks. And they open up and just shreddings falling out. That would make him one of the most awesome people ever. But when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, I can understand the necessity to do another Ghostbusters film. It's fine, because this is what Hollywood does. But these guys are well beyond being able to carry the physical comedy from the first and second Ghostbusters films. The only guy who's probably... even that. I mean, story-wise, you look at... You look at one and two. The first one, everybody loved them. And the second one, nobody gave a shit about them until something happened and then they needed them again. Uh-huh. This is what? More than like 20 years later, really nobody would give a fuck about them now. They only need to bring back, they only need to bring back my boy, um, the, the, the German guy. But it is Vigo! The scourge of Moldavia! Vigo! You need to bring that guy back. Bring him back and dig up Rick Moranis in whatever fucking basement he's living and bring that motherfucker back too. Seriously. It, it, I understand that you guys really want to want to squeeze the proverbial titty of the ghost logo in Ghostbusters. I understand that. But if, the, if Bill Murray doesn't want to do the shit, then respect the guy's wishes and be like, oh, he's dead. Let's just do that. And build build a franchise with new with new guys. You mean to tell me that there's not four funny motherfuckers in Hollywood that you would not be able to do a Ghostbusters movie with? I can tell you right now, I would take Joe McHale from Community and the black guy from Community. They would be two of them. I would get. Well, you, you know who would have to be if this is a new breed of Ghostbusters. That's right. Young guys. 
you know who you have to throw in there. Who in? Who who you? Who, who's that? <laughs> your favorite, your favorite actor because he plays the same character in every movie. Who's that? You know you got to throw Michael Sarah in there. <laughs> oh fuck it! Michael Sarah in Ghostbusters would only be good with him running from ghosts. That fucking dyslexic douchebag is the best runner in any movie I've ever seen. Michael Sarah running should be made into a fucking montage. Because he, ru- he runs like somebody poured kerosene on his butt cheeks. He runs like a cartoon character. And his arms are up and he's running like a fucking robot. Of course I would put him in there. I would put, like I said, Joe McHale, um, the black guy from Community. I would put Michael Sarah in there. And just just for just for shits, I would I would throw either Jonah Hill in there. Jonah Hill might be good, but the problem is that people people feel that uh, that skinny Jonah Hill isn't as funny as fat Jonah Hill, which is bullshit. But I'd either throw Jonah Hill or Seth Rogen in there to fin it to tie it all up. And on that note, I'm also announcing that in 2012, My Pig Radio will be releasing on, so for the PS Bulls, for the Kinect, and for the Wii, the Michael Cera running game. That's it, the Michael Cera running game, coming to... The newest exercise craze for 2012. Dude, just, you know what you gotta watch? Um, What the hell was that movie that was, like, him playing, like, Fight Club? Like, he like he had, like, a split personality, and the split personality had, like, a cheap porn mustache. <laughs> Dude, there's a scene in that movie where he is running. Yes, Youth in Revolt, where he is running for his life. And I was hysterical for a good half an hour. Half an hour of just him running. And I'm just like, <laughs> just him running like an asshole. But um, enough about Michael Sarah to wrap things up. Our everybody's favorite dreamy leading man, Bradley Cooper, is in a new action comedy titled Outrun. Now, before you even say anything, let me just break it down, and you'll know exactly what this movie's about. Dak Shepard, Kristen Chenoweth, Tom Arnold, David Kushner, and Kristen Bell co-star. Dak Shepard wrote it and will be co-directing the film with David Palmer. According to the synopsis, the story is of a former getaway driver who goes AWOL from the Witness Protection Program to drive his girlfriend to L.A. for her dream job, only to be pursued by federal agents and his former gang. Now, with that said, the plot synopsis and the title, what is this based on, my friend? It sounds like a cheap riff-off of the Blues Brothers. It is based off Outrun the Game. <laughs> oh, yeah. I figured that. When you said, you know, hold on for a second, I thought you were going to say it wasn't based on a game. Oh, no. It is based on a game, but I really like how in the entire plot synopsis, they don't acknowledge the fact that they're biting off the game. But honestly, if you do it right... A good chase movie can be, you know, can make some good dough. A good chase movie will definitely get some dough, but here's the here's the problem with a good chase movie. It needs a good cast. And the minute that I read Tom Arnold is in a cast, I, I really just, I, I want to take a diaper, shit in it, and then smear it on my face. 
Tom Arnold and funny don't go together. The last time I thought Tom Arnold was remotely funny was in True Lies, and it's a fucking stretch. Dax Shepard was only funny in Idiocracy. That was it. And Bradley Cooper, I'm just fucking tired of. I'm tired of seeing him in fucking everything. I understand that people... You know, I understand people voted him the, the, the sexiest man and shit, but you know what? Take a fucking break, dude. Take a chill pill. Go fuck some models and get the fuck off my screen for a couple of months. I'm tired of seeing you in everything. I understand you're trying to get paid, but between one and two good movies you do, there's a whole bunch of shit. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of garbage in there. Well, I guess we just have to wait and see that. <laughs> there you go. We will see the trailer. Well, my friend, that's it. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, if this is the last show of the year, then it was a great 2011, and I had fun doing it with you. Thank you very much, sir. That's it? Yeah. All right. Well, let me just wrap this up then. I will talk to you soon. <laughs> yes, sir. Hi, brother. Talk to you later. Peace. All right, ladies and germs, as cliched and as terrible as that sounds, that is actually going to wrap up the show for this week. Quick and painless, I'd say about an hour and a half, give or take. So not too bad. Maybe maybe more enjoyable for those of you that are doing drive time listening. But with that said, changes are a-coming. Let's get the hell out of here. You just heard My Take Radio episode 121 for Thursday, December 22nd, 2011. If you'd like to be a guest, have any questions or concerns, or just want to bitch about the show, feel free to email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can also call our feedback line, 347-815-0687, 347-8150-MTR. Feel free to leave any commentary you'd like on the voicemails. Just remember that if you do not want them played on air, please let me know. Say, hey, Rich, I am ashamed of my voice. I sound like I am a prepubescent teenager. Please don't put it on, and I will not do so. But... Otherwise, they are going on the air. Social media, we're on it. You can follow us on Twitter, My Take Radio. You can also follow my personal account, Rich underscore MTR, which may or may not be taken offline next year. We shall see. We are on MySpace. I don't even know what the fuck Tom did with it, but yeah, we're still there. Facebook fan page, look us up. Join the MTR army, over 1,600 fans strong. Help us hit 2,000 before we close out. 2011. If you're on Formspring, want to ask us some questions, including what kind of gear we use, what color is the mixer, why do you curse so much, formspring.me forward slash mytakeradio. Add us to your circle on Google+, mytakeradio on there, and if you want to take MTR to go, pick up our apps for your Android or iOS devices. For Android, you can find us in the Amazon Marketplace, for iOS, obviously, iTunes. You can listen to MTR on Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, iTunes, excuse me, Zoom Marketplace, Blueberry, uh, Mixler, which you can also listen to the simulcast on our Facebook fan page, and other 
podcatchers that are out there. So just look for MTR there. But if you need to get the show and are having trouble accessing it, by all means, by all well, by all means, feel free to email me and I will get back to you with a couple of different ways for you to listen to the show. If this is our last show of the year, I just want to wish you guys a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Fuck. Merry Christmas or happy Kwanzaa or happy Hanukkah or Festivus for the rest of us. Whatever the fuck you celebrate. Thanks for sticking with us for 121 episodes. Another year in the books. And if we do see you next week, we'll be talking about UFC 141. That's it, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you all for your support, your feedback, all that other good shit. And I'll see y'all later. Peace. I'm figuring that taking us out this week, we can go with... I figure we'll go out with some Super Mario Brothers Pipes Remix, which you can pick up at ocremix.org.